Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to Fine Margins for your daily World Cup betting show. Fine Margins is the soccer content division of the Hammer Betting Network and Bet, this is presented by Betfred, the official sportsbook partner of all of the Hammers World Cup content. And we had quite the day today. There was a bit of a dud in the morning, but we had some very entertaining fixtures, especially that Canada game for the neutral, maybe more frustrating for the Canadians in myself and Alex. But nice to have the neutral perspective today of Paul McDonald, who is joining on the World Cup streams for the first time. So what we want to cover today, we're going to recap the bets that we, me and Alex were talking about yesterday. We'll see what Paul has had in play, and we'll then recap all of the games from today, our thoughts, any concerns about teams, maybe on the Germans, and then we will talk about the games and preview them tomorrow and provide our best bets over there. But for starters, uh, let's go around here and just find where we had some winners, maybe where we had some losers today. And Alex, who was on the show yesterday, let's go to you first. How did your bets fare on day four? Um, All together pretty well. Didn't cash the one I wanted to cash most in Canada, but uh, we... We had the Morocco plus a quarter to start things off. So we got a, a half win there. And then the Japan game was really kind with the plus 1.25 that came through. And then the over uh, half came through on the, the two and three quarters. And then uh, Canada over, you know, I'd like to think the, the chances were there for that to cash. Did not come through. And then at least we got a push on the plus one because you could feel that that late second Belgium goal just like – oh. And oh, they yeah. never even came close, really. But, like, I mean, they, they had, like, some half chances. But, like, you thought going into that second half, you, you kind of thought that was going to play out poorly. Thankfully, it didn't. Yeah, the way they played Canada, it was just everybody got forward. They were playing a three-back, but even Alistair Johnson, the right of the three in the back, just was playing as a right fullback. It was insane the way Herdman played this Belgian team. But, Paul, anything that you had in play, maybe so far as tournament, I know we spoke about uh, a little bit beforehand as well. Yeah, well, as I said, my my outright for Argentina to win the tournament isn't looking great right now, let's be honest. Um, just the worst result in Argentina's history to deal with, of course. That's great news for a bet, of course. And uh, But in terms of the um, the match betting today, I was pretty confident that, that Morocco versus Croatia would go would go under 2.5. So I cashed on that one. Um, but I just didn't see Spain scoring seven goals. Um, so I went no. for under two and a half in that one and I got blown away in the first half an hour. So... Um, I'm, I'm even for the day, but like um, I thought Costa Rica might take some lessons from the, the games that had been before and try and be obdurate and tight. And they were probably the worst team in the tournament so far, guys. Let's let's face it, they were yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yesterday we spoke about uh, the term. The term the word I used was brutal. How brutal this Costa Rica team is. They looked every bit brutal today. Spain looked pretty good. I'll give them credit. Seven goals isn't anything to scoff at. So well done to the Spanish. Uh, just we'll keep, I'll talk about Rob just because we have a, a message here from Sean. He asked if Rob will ever get a winner. Fortunately, Rob is uh, for his sake, I guess, is away for this stream, so he won't have to face any of that. But 
Uh, my bets for today, I go even because I also had the plus one on Canada, which pushes. I was very fearful of the late press by Canada and, and a counterattack, as we saw in the Netherlands game, uh, the way they scored in the 99th minute. Uh, I also had Japan on the handicap at 125, which which cashed. They won the game outright. And I also had Croatia to win this morning. And uh, I was very upset with myself for waking up at 5 a.m. to watch <laughs> that game. I am a bit amazed. It didn't put me back to sleep. Uh, for Paul, it's only 10 a.m. for him to watch, so he was fine. Me and Alex, if we, I don't know if you got up, Alex. It was a I 5 a.m. match. I am taking a nap right after this stream, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the games from today. We will have to pre, we will have to recap, excuse me, that Morocco-Croatia game where both teams were very much not at their best. Um, I had my doubts about Croatia going into this tournament. And none of those were really resolved. Yesterday, we had Drunken Gunan, who was speaking very highly of Croatia. But let's start with Paul here, who maybe had was the most awake for this match. Overall thoughts on Morocco-Croatia? Um, a little bit disappointed in Croatia. Um, I wouldn't say I'm all in in Croatia, but I do think that um, the, the, the top spot in this group is very much up for grabs, despite Belgium being the favourites. And nothing that I saw from Belgium tonight tells me any different, to be, to be honest. Uh, but I did expect a little, a little more of Croatia on the front foot. I do get the sense that the Argentina result might have shocked a few teams. Croatia might think to themselves that they didn't necessarily need to go all out to win this today. And it was a bit of a moral victory for Morocco to get a point from the game as well. And once it hit the, about the hour mark, it kind of felt both sides were happy to settle for that. And um, I think it's got one of the lowest XGs of the entire tournament so far for both teams combined. Um so yeah, if there's any highlights packages tonight, I think I would skip past this one because <laughs> you're not going to learn much about either team to 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 um, influence further bets. I don't think. I think Croatia can definitely play better than that and will play better than that, particularly against teams that um, that play play at their tempo. Um, and I think Morocco, um, for, for me, are, are always a good team in this group and always a dark horse. They have good attacking players. I thought Ziyech had his moment certainly in the first half, but kind of drifted out of the game. And they have the opportunity to, to to threaten teams. And I think this is arguably shaping up to one of the most interesting groups in the entire tournament because I think anybody can beat anybody in this one. Yeah, your sentiments are very much shared with Alex, who I'll flip to now on this one. You were very high on Morocco going into the tournament. So maybe a little bit more focus from you on the Morocco side of things for this 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 match. Were you impressed with Morocco overall? Do you think this bodes well for maybe competing with Belgium? I know you have them and Croatia getting out of the group here. Yeah, I, I was somewhat impressed. They left a little bit to be desired on the front foot. I think that was more so a case of them being content with the draw, like Paul said. I think they're, yeah. you know, you, you want to start the tournament on a positive. You lose that first game, it, it's a bit of a blow. So I think they were content with taking that point and that kind of show. I do think they have a lot more to offer going forward. We're going to need to see it first. But Croatia are a team that that can play, you know, they like to they like to keep possession and they're able to break teams down pretty well and carve out chances. Now, maybe that front line doesn't really strike too much fear into you um, for Croatia. So I think that, you know, Morocco were kind of let off the hook by that. But they were really tough to break down. They were very tough to break down. They were very disciplined. They played a very good game. So I was impressed with that. Um, I think if you're looking at them going forward here, like Belgium's going to have a hard time breaking them down. They're going to be able to hit them on the counter. It's going to be a very different game than we saw today. So I think there, there's going to be opportunities for them there. And We'll get into Canada later, but I, I mean, Canada's going to have a very tough time breaking them down as well. So I do. I was overall pretty impressed with uh, 
with Morocco. Um, Croatia left a lot to be desired. I don't think that they have much to strike fear into your, you know, an opposing defense. I don't think there's too much on that, uh, that front line. So it's going to be tough for them. Um, they'll have their opportunities against Belgium just because Belgium's a bit weak defensively, but like that's going to be a game they probably are going to need to win. Cause I, I think that Canada is going to be able to get a result there and, you know, maybe a draw seems fair again, but I think Croatia's. I'm a little bit more worried about Croatia coming out of that than anything else. Right. I, I think for the Croatians, I'd be a little bit fearful coming out of that one. And let's go out of order here so we can focus on the entire group. Let's go into the Belgium Canada game next to talk about the effects here. I think personally, Morocco and Croatia both get a point here. They're going to look at Belgium like a team that, I mean, I think that team is ripe for the picking. I think Martinez got the starting 11 generally wrong today. And I think the subs were even more so. Thomas Meunier, it, it just didn't seem like the right man to bring in to deal with Canada's pace. So I, I thought that was a really good option for Canada to attack. He got a yellow quickly, and then they did not take him on 1v1 for the rest of the game, which was hugely, hugely frustrating for me because I was hoping he'd start for that purpose to take him on in the 1v1 scenarios. On the flip side, Canada, I think Morocco and Croatia will maybe have a lot better of a tactical report on this team because maybe limited information on the Canadians going in, maybe not enough respect given to them going in by Belgium because, frankly, Canada played them off the pitch for 90 minutes, just could not quite get the result overall. So it's going to be a very interesting group, as we mentioned. But let's get the neutral perspective here from Paul before we go into the biased perspectives on this match. I would... Um, I would probably agree that there has been a level of disrespect to Canada. Um, and I think it was reflected in some of the the punditry that I saw in, in the UK before, during and after the match. It's like, wow, Canada have some good players. These guys can play. I mean, it's not like Davis doesn't play in the Champions League or David <laughs> yeah. is a 50 million euro striker. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, these guys exist. But I think I could hit you with all the stats, guys. I could tell you that that was the fourth highest XG in World Cup history for a team that's lost a game. Um <laughs> And the, the 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 third highest, I think, was six hours beforehand in the German game. So, like, you're, you're an illustrious company there for, for, for teams that have lost. But I know, <laughs> I, know no I know it's no consolation to you, but if you get chances like that against a team that ultimately were completely vulnerable, they have an old ageing defence. They've got Dendonker, who's a defensive midfielder by trade, filling in um, in, in the right-hand side of defence. Um, you've got to take your chances. And unfortunately, you, you're up against the best goalkeeper in the world quite clearly uh, at the yep. moment uh, in Courtois. Um, and I just I feel sorry for Davis because um, he stepped up, he took, the, he took the spot kick, accepted the responsibility, and it was just a bad one. It was just a bad, yeah. a bad stick of a football. And I think that's going to play in his mind for quite a long time. So I think if I was his teammates and his, his coach, I'd be rallying around and getting him motivated for the next couple of matches because he's got to come out with a point to prove because he's unquestionably one of the star men. He's got the key to unlocking some of these other teams and, and the other games and when you do create chances. So I think the, the importance at this point is to, to look at how well they played against a top-level opposition, but also rally around Davis and get him lifted and get him motivated so he can attack these uh, Croatians and, and Moroccans in the next two games. Yeah, I agree with you on, on the penalty situation. He's not my first choice to take it. It probably would have been Vittoria, uh, if you'd believe it. He's a good penalty taker. I also probably would have had David ahead of him. But the highest level I ever played was university. But, you know, I've taken big penalties. I've scored some. I missed them. I always trust the guy who wants to take it and is confident taking it. As soon as it was given, Davies grabbed the ball, wanted to take it. I was a bit nervous that 
he was stepping up because he doesn't have as much experience there. But he was confident he wanted to take it. Like you said, it was not a great penalty, unfortunately. And maybe that did play on him because I did not see a good performance from Davies and as well as Jonathan David. And I know Alex, who we'll flip to now, kind of agrees with me on that. Alex, what are your thoughts on Canada here? Before I get into that, Lewandowski or Davies, who had the worst penalty? <laughs> well, I didn't think Lewandowski was that bad. It just, Ochoa got, went the right way. He could save. The Courtois one, it was quite central. It was side-footed. It was very, very limited pace. It was a penalty taken by somebody who was nervous. Lewandowski sure. was, a, was a pretty comfortable height for Ochoa. I think sure. Ochoa's save looked very good because he, he went the other way first. Right. So, you know, he had to make up they that were, ground. But it was a comfortable height for him. To neither of them were great. <laughs> I think Davies just felt bad for his uh, for his former Bayern teammate, maybe. Um, yeah. But yes, in terms of Canada's performance, I think that obviously you want to draw a lot of positives from it. Maybe this is like the cynic in me, but I think that's more demoralizing than anything for them because you gave your absolute best. That's the best Canada can play. Like, I mean, I think we can agree, like, this is a good team. They don't get the respect they should, but this is still the best performance they can kind of put in. And they did not have the quality to win that game. Um, at the end of the day, at the World Cup, your best players have to be your best players, and their best players were arguably their worst players. I thought Davies was really poor. I thought that his his play off the ball was really discouraging. Um, maybe that had something to do with the missed penalty. Maybe he's not fully healthy. I'm not sure. David did not put the sort of shift in you'd want him to put in. Laren off the bench. Laren is such a frustrating player. Like he's the type of guy. He's just like a, he's almost just like a pure poacher. He doesn't put the work in. Um, he, yeah, he doesn't work hard. He doesn't create his own chances. His finishing rate is really poor. He needs a lot of opportunities to kind of get that goal. So it was a frustrating game. I thought Tejon played pretty well, um, but you had kind of your fringe players that sort of came in and, and really contributed. But then, you know, when you're putting those guys in the position to pick out that final ball, it's not going to go well, right? You need, you need Davies and David to be the guys that are doing that didn't happen. So now you, you kind of you showed Croatia and uh, and Morocco your hand and, you know, they're going to know how to kind of attack this game a little bit better. Hopefully Herdman can make some adjustments, but all in all, a pretty demoralizing, uh, demoralizing result there. And I just don't see how they're going to be able to bounce back to advance from this group. I, I don't want I want to I want to be positive, but I think that I think that this is their tournament done. And that's, you know, that's tough to say. But I, I, I honestly, I think that Belgium's tournament could be done, too. It is a wide open group, but Belgium, I am super, I was low on Belgium coming into this tournament. A lot of people were picking them to to still, you know, make another run with this golden generation. I think the golden generation is done. I thought Kevin De Bruyne was really bad tonight. He might've been one of the worst players on the pitch. I was really surprised about that. Yeah. He had, he had moments in the first half where you have guys running wide open. The the Tillman's chance. He didn't see him. And again, that's, you know, he was bad. Davies was also very bad because he's leaving that space vacated behind him. He did not track back well in that first half. He was giving them those opportunities. Belgium just didn't take advantage. So I don't know. I'm worried about Belgium. I think their back line is pretty poor. They, they, they positioned themselves pretty well tonight, but I think it was more a case of Canada not taking their chances. So I think Belgium's there for the taking. I, it, it'll be interesting to see how Canada can, can bounce back from this. It'll be a, a, you know, a good show of their mentality. We'll find out a lot about this team uh, in their next match, but yeah, concerning from both sides, despite Canada playing really well, I think it's really concerning for both teams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as say Canada's tournament is done here because they did look quite good. I think ultimately, I, I thought Laren should have come in a bit sooner because I, I did want the poacher. I did want the chance to fall to him. Unfortunately, a, a few did, and he just did not really do anything with them. But there were good performances to speak of. Richie Larea was absolutely outstanding today. Just outstanding. Estacchio for the first 70 was very good. Uh, out of possession, was winning the ball back, was getting the offense uh, started. The structure, though, the formation, 
wasn't as tight as usual. I think it did start with David. Was he playing wing back? Was he playing right wing? Was he playing as a center forward? He was kind of all over the place. And as you mentioned, it maybe left him a bit vulnerable. But Larea was great, as I mentioned. Alistair Johnson, I thought, was outstanding, as was Kamal Miller. Uh, I understand that the one route one ball did beat them. So maybe a lack of experience. A young yeah, back three that, that was, was brutal goal to concede right Just especially right goal. before at a, at a terrible time yeah yeah when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one thing I would say, just just I haven't watched obviously as much of Canada as you guys have, but the one thing I would say is one thing that you, you see people talk about a lot on, on Twitter these days is, well, why doesn't every team just press high and try and win the ball and be aggressive, right? And in some cases, it's a fair point, but you saw with Canada in the last 20 minutes why it's not always possible to have an aggressive high press at all aspects of a game because you run out of steam. And particularly for a lot of these guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's quite a lot of Canadian players who maybe are on the fringes of their own teams, maybe aren't playing as regularly as, as, yeah. as you, you might think. Asking them to then contribute to a high press consistently across 90 minutes, it's a really big ask. And bear in mind, they've still got another two games to come within the next week as well. So you could totally see that as the game went on, they just couldn't make that extra stride in anymore. Whereas in the first half, they were they were nipping at everybody's ankles and winning it back high to create those chances. And that just wasn't there in the second half. And that's not, I don't think that's down to a change of tactics. I, I just think that's down to playing that aggressively for an extended period of time is just extremely difficult in the modern game and not every team has got the capacity to do it. Right. I think that was based on a little bit golf in class. So they wanted to really shock the Belgians and wanted to force them into mistakes. Granted, it worked. And that should have set them up well after the first half to potentially defend a second half lead. I guess that ultimately didn't materialize. But you're right. At 70, it fell off a cliff uh, for the Canadians in terms of that. So regardless... A lot of thoughts on that. Unfortunate for the Canadians, but the, good showing. Their, fir- their fourth ever World Cup game comes up begging again. They're yet to score at a, t- a World Cup tournament, hopefully next to the Alex. Other thing the only, the only teams, sorry, only, only two teams have went five five defeats and no goals. That was Greece and Bolivia. So, you, so now we have to break down Croatia in our next game. That's, that'll, be, yes. that'll be easy. That'll be easy. Um, yeah. The other thing that was really disappointing for me, you, you said Eustachio, he played very well, but his deliveries from set pieces were really yes. poor. And yes. that was that's a problem. That you have to be posing a more of a threat from those set pieces. They were just so many wasted chances. Yes. All right. Let's move in now to the other group. We had some more entertaining fixtures here. Uh, one of the early games, Germany, were facing Japan. And after the Germans took the lead, it kind of seemed like, okay, they're playing well, creating chances. They're going to go win this. Japan, with their subs, storm out late and steal the 2-1. Well, I won't say they stole because Japan did look good near the end. And... They win 2-1. Well, Paul, I'll start with you. You you said the third highest XG in a losing effort here for yeah. the Germans. Yeah, it, it, does find, it does sound a bit weird when I say that because I don't really feel that those kind of stats represent or suggest to represent a level of dominance and loads of high-level chances. But if you remember, the, the Japanese goalkeeper, I think, saved like four shots in 40 seconds or something at one point in the second half. But the rest of it, the, the, the chances were pretty disparate. And... Like I was, I've been really cold on Germany uh, in the build-up to this. I, they didn't figure into any of my pre-tournament betting or planning. Um, I think they're a team in transition, even though I think Flick is a great coach. 
I think they lack a centre forward, obviously. Um, and I think that showed today as well. They've got a guy like Muziala, who I think is outstanding, but maybe a bit early for him yet. I think it's definitely a team in transition, and I think that was represented today. And I was thoroughly impressed by Japan. I thought they were really good, really effective in all areas of the pitch. Were brave, went and attacked and tried to create chances, and, and they got the reward in the end. And um, yeah, like I say, I didn't fancy... I, I think Spain were a pretty solid lock for me to top that group um, pre-tournament, and that, that obviously nothing's changed that today. But I think the Germans need to be looking over their shoulder now because they've got Spain this weekend. And that's basically an elimination match for them now if they lose. So, um, yeah, I think I think the German press are going to be not particularly forgiving about that performance today, particularly when you're winning a game. I think one of the, the two main things that I've noticed about the two shock results in Argentina and, and Germany is usually you get a shock result in a World Cup tournament, but it's very rare that it happens that the underdog scores first and then the other team comes back to score two, and it's happened twice in two days, yeah. which is really extraordinary stuff. And from a, from a big team perspective, that's almost less forgiving, being in the lead um, and taking your foot off the gas like both those teams did. And uh, yeah, Germany might bounce back, but the way that Spain played today, um, I think the Germans might be terrified of an early exit here. So me and Alex are both down on Germany for opposite reasons. I'm down on them for their forwards because I don't think they have reliable goal scoring. And that showed today. Alex is down on them because of their defense and how much they leak goals. I think both of us were kind of correct in the way the game played out here. Especially that second goal, just route one straight down the middle. I thought, uh, I think it was Slaughterbeck who had a bit of a head start and just did not deal with the ball. And that led to Japan's second goal on a tight angle. Alex, overall, your thoughts on the Germans. You were very high on Japan going in and maybe rightfully so. Yeah, and I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit in a sec for Germany. But in terms of Japan, I did think they got it all wrong in the first half because that they they were they played very uncharacteristic to their style. They were very deep. Um, they spent very little time pressing. There were very few guys committed forward, which is unlike them. They're you know they're usually a bit more of a, a brave team, and we saw that in the second half, and obviously that paid off. But I thought they were a little bit slow in getting to that. They were pretty lucky not to be punished. The game could have been done before that, so. Yeah, ultimately it worked out. They brought the right guys off the bench. I think Doan maybe should have started. Matoma obviously maybe will start the next match. Um, yeah, there's just some very bright young players that are you know that are fun guys to watch too. So I think that we'll see a bit more of those guys as we go forward. But in terms of Germany, like, it, yeah, like you know, Paul, you said the press is going to be all over them, and you know, I guess rightfully so. They lost the match, but this easily could have been two nothing, three nothing. Um, you know, and it would have been done. It would have been done, you know, Japan would not have been able to erase that deficit. Obviously, you had those big saves in that in that short span. Obviously, Havertz also, like, no need to be offside on that one. Could have timed that a little yeah. bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that was that was a bit, it's a tough one to swallow for Germany because you're looking at potentially, like, starting with three points in a tougher match than Spain, and now you're looking at potentially going to win the group, whereas now you're, you're sitting there and Spain's almost a must-win because, you know, Japan's going to beat Costa Rica, and... Yeah. You're you almost have to win that Spain game now. I mean, yeah, unless I, you, unless Japan can take a result from Spain, but it's it's going to be tough. I I totally agree, Matt. Like sometimes you, you can look too tactically into what happens in a ninety minute in a ninety minute game. If you look at you could say easily the same about Argentina for the sake of a a t shirt offside, which probably isn't given in the EPL. Awful. Argentina yeah. turn up right, and and then that game plays out completely differently from that point. So, um, you're, you're right. It's it's. Uh, to, to, to quote this lovely podcast, it's fine margins at, at this level. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what's cost those two teams over those, those two days. Yeah. So lots for the Germans to consider. 
a bit of a mountain to climb here, at least for Argentina. I know you're maybe a little bit worried about those other two games. Very much two winnable games there. Germany have to overcome Spain, who looked excellent, winning 7-0 against Costa Rica. Uh, we'll start We'll start with Alex here, because uh, we did talk about Costa Rica quite a bit yesterday. Was this Spain dominating, or was this Costa Rica just being bad, or was it a little bit of both? It, it, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. There's there's beating bad teams, and there is beating bad teams. And, and this is a really bad Costa Rica team, but... Again, it's the World Cup. It's not a given. You're gonna, you know, go out there and, and put seven goals past them. So Which you we've still seen. have to, yeah. So you still have to give credit to their performance. Um, I think the conditions were just sort of right for them here, and it was a good matchup. They like to play on the ball. Costa Rica are fine playing off the ball, but they don't have the quality to actually sit back and defend properly. So I, I'm not going to take too much from this. I was unsure how to sort of judge Spain going to this tournament, just because how young they are and how raw they are, but. Obviously, now I'm leaning a little bit. I'm trying not to overreact too much to one game against arguably the worst team in the tournament. But, yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. It was, uh, it was nice to see Gabby get his goal, too. Um, you know, I thought they looked really good in attack. You were wondering who was going to be the guy to provide the source of goals. I guess everyone is. I, I mean, maybe that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, it was just I, – I didn't – I have a job during the day. I, I work for the Hammer, so I, I can't just straight up watch every game, unfortunately. I hope my boss is watching this one. Uh, so at halftime, I was like, okay, that's enough from Spain. I know what's going to happen in this one. So I, was, I started to do my job a little bit better. But they looked really good. I was a little bit confused by Rodri being in the back four to start the game. I don't know if they'll bring that against Germany. If they do, I feel like Germany could kind of expose that. Maybe it was just because Spain knew they were going to dominate possession and wanted a better ball player in the back four just for today. Uh, but, Paul, you were high on Spain going into the tournament and maybe even higher after this one. What were your thoughts? Yeah, not as high as I think they've got a chance of winning it, but I certainly think they're superior to this Germany team. And I also think, in my opinion, Luis Enrique is the best coach in the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Um I, don't, I think if he chooses to move on from Spain after it, I think he won't have any shortage of jobs. And if you look at what... He achieved at Barcelona and what they went on to do after he left. Um, I think they're ruining the fact that they probably made a decision on him too quickly. But in terms of bad teams, it's almost more fun to talk about the bad teams, right? <laughs> I would go in position number 30. I would probably go Iran, 31 Qatar and 32 Costa Rica today. Um, because what do you know about Spain, right? They are going to pass the ball from the centre-backs through Busquets and try and hit the, hit the forwards into their feet and get the defences turning. And the ball was getting passed into Busquets' feet. And generally, Busquets would be ready to bounce the ball off because he's got someone behind them. And then he was turning around, and there was no one there. And he was turning around and just passing the ball forward 40 yards. It must be the easiest 90 minutes of Busquets' career. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating that. He <laughs> waltzed through that game. Like just being the metronome to turn and pass it to the skillful players. And if you're going to stand off people and allow them to do that, um, you're not going to beat Spain. Any any of the twenty two players that Spain could have put on the on the field today, with that level of of um, lackadaisical attitude towards closing them down and pressing, would have beaten Costa Rica comfortably. It's just it's one on one against against playing a team like that, and they failed spectacularly. And it makes me wonder. I don't know if you guys know more about maybe disruption in the camp or is something going on there? Is something happening with Costa Rica? Because those guys just did not look motivated. And I take your point, Alex, that they're a, they're not a good team by any stretch, but. They're just neither of Saudi Arabia, and I saw a lot more motivation and, and aggression and desire from those guys than I saw from any of the Costa Ricans today. 
Yeah, even yeah. Australia. Australia is a bad team too, and you you saw a little bit more fight, even though they were yeah. you know on the wrong end of a, of a pretty bad loss too. But yeah, I, there's nothing going on with this team. I think it's just an old team, and I just think they're so down on quality players. Um, they're you know they're golden generation. They're still clinging to those guys. You know the Joel Campbells and the Kendall Watsons, and it's just it's they're just so over the hill. They just have nothing to offer. And I think that once those first couple early goals came in, yeah. I think they're just they sort of just packed it in. Yeah, it was, I mean, I thought before the goals, like 30 seconds in, Spain got out on the front foot and did not let off for the entire game. And it's as Paul was mentioning, elementary stuff. Put one guy on Busquets. He's not going to move much. Just stand on him the entire game, force him to play, break that line. That that just seems quite simple to me. But uh, we've had enough of our fun on Costa Rica. Let's move now into tomorrow's games. We're going to talk about some of our, our best bets for all four games. We'll preview them in order. And remember... We're going to be betting all of our stuff at the Betfred Sportsbook. Use Betfred Sportsbook, the official partner of all the Fine Margins World Cup content for all of your sports betting needs. We preach line shopping, all this stuff. Make Betfred one of the books that you are getting involved with as well. So we'll start with the early game here. This is, sorry, pulling up the stats, uh, the game now. It's Switzerland in the first game against Cameroon here. Interesting. I thought there'd be a lot more of a favor here on Switzerland. Currently on Betfred, I'll pull up the odds right now. They are sitting at minus 136. Cameroon is at plus 420 to win this game. I'm not super high on Cameroon getting really anywhere in this group. And if Switzerland want to likely follow up Brazil and take down Serbia, this is going to be one that they have to get three points in. Uh, And Paul, do you agree with my sentiments there for Switzerland? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I think Switzerland always seem to come into a major tournament as being not disrespected as such, but almost as as also runs. But they're and they're a consistent European qualifier. Um and they always invariably do well when they get there. I mean if you look at their performance at the Euros eighteen months ago, knocked out the world champions France and were within a penalty shootout of knocking out Spain to get to the semi final. Um they never seem to have a real standout player. They never have really seriously have to have someone like um, like a, a peak playmaker or, or centre forward, but they've got an excellent, robust mix of players that's perfect for tournament football. Perfect, uh, and they've got a guy like Zaka, who's whisper it, one of the best DMs in the Premier League at the moment, playing fantastically well for Arsenal. Um, you, you've got a team there that's built round going out and beating teams like Cameroon either one or two zero in the World Cup. So <laughs> that's that's precisely what I would be going for. I'd be going for Switzerland to win the match, and I'd be probably going unders, maybe three and a half or. or maybe even two and a half if you're brave, um, because I can see Switzerland getting a goal in the first half here, sitting on it, and then maybe hitting them the counter to pick up the win late on in the game, because I don't have a lot of respect for the Cameroon team. It's, it's definitely not a golden generation for, of theirs by by any stretch. Um, and I don't, I don't think they've got the capability of going out and playing like Morocco have, for example. I don't think they've got the talent that they do to go and do something like that. So I'm big on Switzerland to win this one as well. Yeah, so the over-under here, uh, you can actually... Well, the under two and a half is, is very juiced. Uh, the expectation here is going to be more of a low-scoring game. I think that's more of a notion towards Cameroon not being able to break down Switzerland. Uh, but Alex, you and me are pretty high on Serbia here, but do you think Switzerland still take care of business? Yeah, I think, you know, Paul spoke to it pretty well, so I don't have to talk too much about it. But Switzerland is just such a, a well-structured and well-organized team that I think it's just a bad matchup for a Cameroon side. Uh, Cameroon, my issue with them is, is they do have some quality, but there's just going to be, they ha- I mean, especially up front, 
Embuemo, Toko Okambi, they have guys that can put the ball in the net. I just don't see the service being there for them. I don't see them getting many opportunities. So it's hard to see them, you know, I, I get, especially against a, a pretty rigid Switzerland defense. Um, but the, the other thing, and I again, I want to respect the process of qualifying and respect Cameroon for being here. Cameroon beat out Cote d'Ivoire and Algeria, which would have been two very fun teams to see in this tournament. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit disappointed to see them here over those guys. But you know what? They did their part. They made it in. Um, fair play to them. So even though they didn't, I think they, I don't think they actually won a game in against uh, against Algeria. Maybe they did in the playoff, but it was it was a tight playoff. But yeah, I, I think Switzerland just has too much for them, and it is a bit of a short price. So that's that's definitely the way I'd look here. Yeah. I was going to say that my bet for this one is going to be Switzerland to win here. I think that's a very good price considering all the aspects that you guys have mentioned here. The African the African qualifying process, it, it's just such a limited amount of teams of the massive pool that get to the tournament. So it comes down to the very small details and, and we'll call it the fine margins <laughs> to get into qualifying. Cameroon are here. They are probably past their golden generation, but we've seen some massive shocks here. But my play is definitely going to be on Switzerland for this one. So moving into the next game, we have Uruguay and South Korea here. Uh, we have a comment here. We have two biggest upsets coming from the Asian countries. What do we think about a third upset for South Korea tomorrow? That's tomorrow, excuse me. That's from Jay So in the YouTube chat. And pre-tournament, if you watch the previews that me and Alex did, I... And personally, going to take a flyer here on South Korea. Not anything to do with uh, two Asian countries causing the upsets here. But I am a little bit down on Uruguay. I'm a little bit high on South Korea relative to market. And the price has only jumped up even more since the tournament has began. It seems like there is money coming in on uh, Uruguay to take this win. And I, I just think 450 on South Korea is a decent, decent look. I might put some on that and some on... Uh, the handicap of the double chance market. But let's go to Paul here. What are your early thoughts on Uruguay and South Korea? Yeah, this is a really, really trappy game, I think. Um, I think Uruguay are a team that's still transitioning between two generations. We've got Darwin Nunez, but yeah. he's kind of shifted out wide to accommodate probably Suarez and Cavani um, if they play if they play 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. And then you, in, the, in the midfield, you've got a generational talent in Fede Valverde and, and Ben Tanku, who's really finding himself at the moment for um, Spurs. And then you go further back and you've got Diego Godin, who I don't think has even played a game in the past nine months or something. But yeah, he's probably going to start in this tournament, which is it's, it's crazy. So the short answer is, I don't really know what to make of him. I don't know which whether this... We're talking about golden generations a lot here and we're talking about some coming towards the end or some being finished. Is this one finished or has it still got some some part to play? I honestly don't know. I, I'm really not sure. And my only advice for this game would be to check out the team news because I think Son is going to play for Korea with the, after the, the face knock that he picked up pre-tournament. But it's not 100% uh, confirmed yet, I don't think. If Son plays, obviously a massive, massive boost for the Koreans and, and a forward who can really get at Godin and show his age and show his um, lack of pace at, at this stage of his career. So I would recommend to keep an eye on the team news and that and see if any lines shift or, or, or prices shift based on that. But it's a game I'm going to be avoiding and that's that's not great for a betting podcast, I know, but <laughs> it's a really trappy match, this one. And I really don't want to put, put anything forward because I'm, I'm just not sure where this one's going to go. Yeah, so we'll flip to Alex here. I think, I don't know if you were as, were as high on South Korea as me, but I, a lot of my optimism for them is that I think that uh, just having a defender like Kim Min-jae, who has been an outstanding form for Napoli, is really going to help solidify that back line. And I just don't see Uruguay with the tools to consistently 
break that down in this game. Not saying that Uruguay aren't going to win this game, but I'm saying that I don't think the price is correct. What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, so I'm definitely lower on Uruguay than the market is. I see them as a pretty popular... Everyone seems to be calling them like a sleeper or their dark horse team. I, I think we're past that point now. Um, I think that they're no longer considered something like that. But I, I completely agree with Paul in, in that they're kind of switching, transitioning here between generations. And I think that this is a little bit too soon for them. I think, uh, you know, the loss of Araujo at the back is going to be yeah. a big blow for them. It's going to be really hard to replace him. I don't think they have anyone to replace him. That's kind of forcing Godin into a starting role, like you said, alongside probably Jimenez. So, I, I just I, I'm not too high on on Uruguay. Can South Korea take advantage? I'm not 100 percent sure because I do think that they're going to have a, a hard time getting on the ball with Bentancur and Valverde in midfield. So my look actually here would probably be towards the under. I think that goals might be in short supply. Um, you talked about Kim Min Jae, and you know I just think that South Korea will look to try and get something from this, and instead focus on that Ghana game as maybe their chance to get to four points. So I, I'm going to and said, yeah, I'm going to take the under here. I think that, you know, goals will be in short supply. Chances will be in short supply. We're not sure how Nunez will integrate with with uh, Suarez and, and maybe Cavani up top. So I think under it, I'm not sure what the current price is right now on Betfred. Um, Betfred, uh, juice to the under, minus 154 on the two and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would take that probably, but a two and a quarter even would be, you know, something I'd maybe look to grab there. But yeah, I definitely look towards the under here. I think this could, people like to complain about the zero zero games. I think this could be another one. Um, maybe, you know, one moment of quality from a, a son or a Suarez or a Nunez can, or a Valverde can, you know, nick it either way. But I think that the goals will be in pretty short supply here. Yeah. Fully, uh, just, fully. Just, just, sorry, just to add on that, Jacob, if you look at some of uh, Uruguay's previous performances against perceived weaker opposition at major tournaments. If you look at like, the likes of Jamaica, uh, the Copa America, if you look at even at World Cup 2018, they had Egypt and the Saudis in their group. They only won those matches 1-0 every time. They, yeah. they, they are not a team that was out and, and smashes up teams. Um, they're of the old school South American side where they, they'll, they'll contain, try and get a couple of goals and then probably sit on it. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm with Alex. I think this is going to be a low scorer as well. If my memory serves me as well that Egypt game needed Jimenez to score a header or maybe it came off his shoulder in the last yeah. play of the game. So, yeah. so I guess maybe that made them look a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I guess they did pull through with the 1-0. So we'll see with this one. But uh, I think we're all lower on Uruguay than the market is, which is very interesting. So let's transition now to Portugal. They are playing against Ghana. Ghana, the lowest ranked in the world rankings coming to the tournament, I put pretty close to zero stock in the world rankings. However, Portugal are quite favored on this one. Betfred has it at minus 244, Ghana at plus 750. We do have somebody in the chat mentioning that they are going to go with a 1-0 in this one, uh, watching live from Germany. But I don't know if I'm going to go that far here. This one for me is going to be probably just stay away completely. Like this is one where I could see Portugal running them over. I could see this being low scoring. I'd see Ghana giving them issues which they played against Portugal quite well in the past. I think they, they faced off against each other two tournaments ago. Obviously, different cast of players, but uh, let's go to Alex, first of all, for Portugal. Maybe from a futures perspective, uh, how do you see this Portuguese team? Yeah, I mean, they have the talent to go very deep in this tournament without a doubt. Um, and if the bracket, you know, breaks kindly for them, then, you know, they could could be a team that reaches the semifinals, maybe the finals. But I'm a little bit concerned about 
perhaps some dysfunction in the team. Uh, the fact that they're going to be insistent on starting Ronaldo all the way throughout, which is not something they should be doing. Uh, I think that's going to really hold them back and attack. And I think that gone are a little bit live here, maybe not for the upset, but you know, if you can get them on the handicap a plus one, plus one and a half, that I, I kind of like that look. I think that, I mean, Ghana play with so much energy. They're a fun team. They haven't, they, you know, they missed out in 2018. So they're going to be hungry here. They have a lot of Premier League quality players in defense. They've got a fun midfield with Partey and Kudus who are going to be running all over the pitch and making life difficult for Portugal. Do they have the goals up top? I mean, obviously they have the experience in, you know, the IU brothers can Anaki Williams provide that, you know, source of goals for them. Maybe uh, Suleimana, who's having a nice season right now for Rennes. He could potentially be someone who steps in there. But I think that they're very much live here against a Portugal team that is just that has the talent, but just doesn't quite seem to be able to put it all together. Yeah. So I wanted to go to Paul because in one of our previews that me and Alex did for, for this group, uh, the title is Are Portugal Better Without Ronaldo? We both think that they are better without Ronaldo. And we also think that we'd have to be in a, another universe in order for him not to start this game or any game so far this tournament. But do you agree with our sentiments here that they could be better suited having a more mobile striker that would, is more willing to press and get involved in the buildup for this Portuguese team? I think if three things had happened, Portugal might have been the favourite for this tournament. I think if Diego Jota had stayed fit, I think if Ronaldo had retired, and I think if Fernando Santos had left after the Euros you would have a World Cup winning team here. Unfortunately for them, they don't have any of those things. And that's why I think that that, that price of minus 244 is way short on this. Um, I wouldn't, I just would not be touching that. Um, Portugal, in quite a similar way to France, always have an implosion in them. They, they just do. It, it happens periodically. And usually happens when they've got some of their finest players, like World Cup 2002, for example, when they had uh, Figo, was one of the best players in the world. So... Um, I yeah, I'd be avoiding that. I, I, I'm avoiding it just because I'm more wary of Portugal than I am confident about Ghana. Really, probably the same that Alex is. I don't think that I'm a bit disappointed in the overall African offering in this tournament. I don't, I don't really see any of them who could go really deep. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think that Santos is trying to fit too many players into a system that probably doesn't accommodate them properly, just because he's got so much talent. A guy like uh, Rafa Leal would probably be the starting mm-hmm. centre forward for most other teams in the tournament, but they're having to shift formations around to fit these guys in. And it's like they are less than the sum of their parts, is the best way of putting it. Yes. And I would, I'd be, um, I'd be looking at Ghana on, on the handicap, maybe here, um, or, or potentially just maybe even looking at maybe a one-one draw or something like that, because I could, if, if I was t- making a small state scale bet, because I just don't, I just don't have enough faith in the dysfunctional Portuguese setup that they've got right now that they can go and do what they need to do in this group in order to get that easy side of the draw later on, which is go and smash everyone up and, and get nine points. So they might still win and they probably will still win, but I'd, I'd be happy to sit in the sidelines for this one as well. Yeah, with Portugal, I wanted to kind of get involved in, in betting on their dysfunction. I just think this group is a little bit too easy for that to happen. I, I do think they will win this group still, but I, I share a, a lot of your sentiments here. As it comes to Santos, the manager, to be fair, he does have a major tournament under his belt, winning the Euros. I think that has kept him his employment here. But if they can get it right with the starting 11, this is a team that can go very, very deep. Just big question from, from all of us, I guess, is if Ronaldo is part of that best 11. But spoiled for choice, 
In Portugal, another team that's spoiled for choice is the Brazil squad. They have, I think we can all agree, the best squad going into this tournament. It's going to be about the manager putting the best 11 players out in the field. Not the most talented 11 players, but the best 11 players that are going to suit each other and actually produce results and get Brazil their first World Cup win since 2002 because they are the favorites going in. Paul, I see you nodding along. You share those thoughts about Brazil and maybe your thoughts on their game going into Serbia, similar odds as the Portugal game compared to Ghana. I really, I really like Serbia as a team. Uh, in fact, they were one of my locks pre-tournament to, to get out of this group, uh, along with Brazil. Uh, even with us. Though, like I, said, yeah. I like the price on Serbia. And I just I think they're a bit underrated, Serbia. They've got Vlaovic, Mitrovic. They've got Milinkovic Savic, which we know is, who's, we know is one of the best midfielders in the world. They've got quality in, in pretty much every position, and they, they qualified ahead of Portugal in, in their section. So they, they've got qualities too. But I the way that I see the draw shaping up, I did see, um, prior to Argentina's result, I did see them potentially meeting Brazil in the semi-final on that side of the draw. Um, and I think this Brazilian team has the perfect mix of a kind of circa 2006 team, which had Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Kaká all in it, from an attacking perspective, but didn't really have very good defence. But they've taken elements of the 94 team, which had excellent fullbacks, really strong, robust defences, a good defender, um, a defensive midfielder. I think they've combined them together. And I think it's probably one of the most elite 11s that they've probably of the 21st century. And that's saying a lot about the Brazil teams that have failed up, in, up until this point. Um, I've had a look at some of the, the predicted 11s today, and we're potentially looking at Rafinha starting from the right, Vinicius from the left, and Richarlison up top. But really, I think any of the four or five options that they've got there to mix them up um, remains some of the best attacking uh, elements in in, in, um, in the full tournament. And the fact that they've played together for quite a long time now um, suggests to me that they've managed to get a cohesive unit together. Then again, I did say that about Argentina, and that fell flat. <laughs> Serbia are definitely better than Saudi Arabia, so there's still margin for a shock here. But I do thoroughly expect Brazil to get off um, off the mark with a win here and probably top the group with nine points. Yeah, me and Alex echo your sentiments about Serbia. We are high on them. We spoke about it in our preview as well. We both have Serbia to come out of this group. Uh, we both took it in different ways. But this Serbian team, they have two strikers who score tons of goals. They have the service with Kostic on the left to provide it to them. A solid midfield, I think, is the best defense they've brought to a major tournament uh, since they became their their own country. I don't know the correct term, but <laughs> this is the best Serbian team they have ever had. I don't know if playing them against Brazil is the best spot to back that. I'm kind of hoping that maybe Brazil beat them convincingly, like 2-0. Market goes down a little bit on Serbia. Take advantage of that based on my thoughts. Uh, Alex, any bets going into this one with Brazil and Serbia? Uh, Over-under is, by the way, juice to the over. I don't know if you have anything in mind. Yeah, um, we talked an, a lot enough about Serbia, and Paul touched on it as well. So <clears throat> they're definitely the team that I think is going to come out of this group. I'm not going to bet anything in this game in particular. Um, I think this is Brazil's tournament to lose right now. And I think that I, this is just going to be a fun game to watch from a neutral perspective. The one thing I would keep an eye on from here is if Switzerland do take care of business tomorrow as expected and Serbia lose to Brazil as expected, you're probably going to get a bit of a better price on Serbia to advance in the group as well. So if you wanted to add on to that, something like that, I think that would be another another good look. But I'm not going to have anything on this game itself. Um, 
Serbia are in really good form. So it'll be a good test for Brazil. We're going to find out a lot about them and we'll find out a lot about Serbia from here. So this is one of those where you're just going to sort of take what you get from this match and, and use that going forward instead. Brazil, no matter what, given their history, always have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Having as good of a team as they do maybe adds a little bit even even more to that pressure. So will be interesting with, with everybody watching. Paul, uh, you had some last thoughts yeah. here. The, the one thing I would add about Brazil, um, in a similar vein to Argentina, because of everything that happened with COVID and the, the propensity to squeeze South American qualifiers in such a short space of time, they haven't played many good teams. Um, Argentina were able to beat Italy um, in the, the Super Cup game that they played at, at Wembley. But Brazil have been playing the likes of Tunisia um, and, and the likes recently. And fair enough, they've been blowing them away. But I would have liked a bigger sample size of Brazil playing really good sides before I would go all in on them um, to uh, to win this match. Just because Serbia are probably on a par with some of the best teams in South America that they would face, like a Uruguay or a Colombia. Um, so I'd, I'd be a bit reticent just to see how they go first. So if, you, if you're worried about Brazil, just scope out this game and see how they play against a team that's... Uh, predictably European in, in terms of how they set up and it should give you a, a clearer indication of how they'll go in this tournament. And a team so. that'll be pretty aggressive and physical to play against too. So they'll, they'll give them a good battle in that. Uh, the, other, the other thing with Serbia too is they're in good form, but they obviously weren't in the toughest Nations League group being in League B against you know uh, Slovenia, Sweden, and Norway. So their form may be taken with a grain of salt. Those are still some quality sides and they obviously beat Portugal and Lisbon to qualify for this World Cup. So you know, again, it's. I think there's a lot to be learned about both of these sides. Sides were obviously both very high on going into the tournament. So this is one I'm just going to sit back and watch for sure. And another added edge is that Switzerland, Serbia, and Brazil were all in the same group at the previous World Cup. So maybe a little bit of information there. Obviously, different players, maybe different managers for some team, especially Serbia, who finally have a proper manager, I think. But those teams didn't make it easy for Brazil in that tournament. And I don't think they're going to make it easy for them in this one as well. But that will do it for us at Fine Margins. This is your daily soccer betting show on the Hammer Betting Network. We go live at 4.15 p.m. Eastern time every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to recap the World Cup slate and preview the games for tomorrow. Make sure if you're watching this on Twitter, you give us a follow there at Fine Margins with two S's. Also drop a like on the stream. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel to get notified when we go live and drop a like on YouTube to help spread this to some new viewers. We're also going to upload this to all podcast platforms shortly after the stream, basically as quick as possible. You can download it there. You ever miss an episode, make it a part of your morning commute in the morning on your way to work. Get some fine margin, get some betting advice in for yourself. You can rate there five stars as well to drop some extra support. But from all of us here, thank you to Alex and Paul for joining me today. We, we, we will have another cast back tomorrow for more soccer betting content on fine margins for the World Cup. Thank you again. Thank you.